Welcome everyone to the Bolt from the Blue podcast and uh, this is uh, obviously our last game before this uh, massive uh, World Cup uh, break. I'm not going to say massive World Cup but massive break for us. Uh, You've got to look on the bright side guys. I mean if you think about it we're into the fourth round of the Carabao Cup. We're into the round of 16 in the Champions League and we're lying second in the table. So it's not that bad. But things were looking pretty good for us going into this game. We had uh, Holland come back into the team. We were 16 matches unbeaten um, at home. But um, obviously, there were developments on that particular statistic. Anyway, who have we got in the house? We've got Bernard Deneen. How are you doing, Bernard? I'm, I'm okay, mate. I was, uh, I'm slightly better than I was 24 hours ago, but there's not a lot in it, to be honest with you. <laughs> how about you ray how are you doing um well yesterday i was a bit down um you know uh, after the not the result you can you can take that but it's, it was a performance i was really down today i'm not down about it anymore there's this bigger fish to fry in the world I, i'm a little bit more frustrated and may i say a little bit irate at uh, the tactics and strategy um employed yesterday by our erstwhile manager Pep, who uh, he's not, uh, you know, he's not so good or, you know, he, he's, you are allowed, you are allowed to criticise him where if you think he's made a mistake or he's done something wrong. Uh, and I don't think he's above a little bit of criticism for what occurred yesterday. Mm-hmm. Well, guys, uh, but I'm not like you, mate, you who was saying sack him, get rid of him. You know, no, 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 no. He'll win as a Champions League. Uh, <laughs> anyway, anyway, guys. Let, let's... Hey, 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 we, we've just won the World Cup, guys. What are we worried about? We just won I the know. World Cup last, this morning. <laughs> well, let's take a look at the lineups, guys. Now, it's very interesting because, uh, first of all, I'm going to do something unusual. Start off with Brentford, guys. I would say and I think you might agree with me, that unless you're a regular uh, follower of Premier League football, if you look at that Brentford lineup, um, there's probably only a Ben Mee and Ivan Tony, who you would recognise by, by name. I mean, if you look Raya, uh, well, maybe maybe him a little bit, uh, uh, Henry Pinnock, Jensen, Zanka, Onyeka, Umbumo, Janolt, Rorslev, and even on their bench as well. I mean, it's just a like a you know a, a list of people that you've never heard of, but uh, we'll pass that over by now um, for now. So let's look at this. Mike, I'm sorry, I've got to say uh, yeah. I, I've got to chime in here with your pronunciation of Ivan Tony. Uh, um, it, you know, it sounds <laughs> that's the reason he didn't get in the England squad because he sounds more Russian than uh, English. Right, um, it's like, Ivan then. Ivan, Ivan Tony. <laughs> Ivan Tony. Okay, sorry about that. Okay. Well, let's, let's look at the City lineup, and uh, of course, uh, we go over to Bernard for this. Let me just list them. So we had Ederson, Stones, Cancelo, Gundogan, Holland, welcome him back, uh, Laporte, Rodri, De Bruyne, Silva, Akanji, Foden, and substitutes uh, Stefan Ortega. No, actually, Ortega doesn't seem to be there. Is that right? Uh, Moreno. I think I think you're reading the wrong team out, um, Mike. <laughs> no, actually, maybe it says Stefan Ortega Moreno, and that's why he's listed as Moreno. Maybe. Anyway, Diaz, uh, Calvin Phillips, Grealish on the bench this time. Alvarez on the bench too. Gomez, 
Uh, Mares uh, perpetually on the on the bench, it seems. Cole Palmer, who you'd expect to be on the bench, uh, as well as uh, Rico Lewis. So, anyway, Bernard, how did you get on? Oh, crap, mate. Absolutely crap. Yeah, I only got seven. Uh, all right, I always say in my defence, don't I? <laughs> in my defence, I did say Harlan would play if he was fit. I didn't know Cancelo was free from his ban. I mean, I wish he had still been banned. In all fairness, and of course, I, d- I didn't know. I didn't know Aki was on 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 baby leave, did I? So I mean, yeah, I got seven, but it was probably I'll, I'll take it really as a cheeky ten. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Listen, predictions aside, what did you think of the lineup, um, Ray? Um, it once Aki was out, it was probably one of the strongest lineups we could chuck out there you know our central defense it's per many two from five at the moment you know i don't think too many people would argue whichever central defender you pick whether it's diasaki akanji uh johnny stones or Merit laporte i don't think you know you could say that picking one or, or another would weaken us or strengthen us by by too much um, obviously, with Kyle Walker being out, it's best we could do is have a makeshift right back. But I, I think, you know, I hope we talk about this later. This time, I've said it before, we need a right back. We need a right back. Yeah, a, a to challenge Walker, keep him honest, and B for times like this, we need a proper functioning right back who's going to contribute something going down that that wing like Walker does right now. We haven't got it, so um, we're more functional than you know, uh, expansive. So it, it was probably one of the best sides we could put out, I think. You could argue a little bit that maybe Bernardo out on the wing, as it proved, isn't the best place for Bernardo these days. Uh, we need his uh, energy and efficiency uh, in the middle of the park, I think. But mm-hmm. probably almost man for a man, it, it was probably one of the best teams we could have put out. Although, Bernard, perhaps a tiny bit slow in midfield. You've got Rodri, De Bruyne and Gundogan yeah. in there. Yeah, I, I, I just don't know. understand how Gundo's getting in there at the moment. I, I certainly want to put him in again. I was a bit bit surprised he was he was starting again. Uh, and yeah, and the big bully for me was Haaland, of course, who I, I think I, I just don't think he's fit. I just don't think he's hundred percent fit, and I, I don't understand quite. Again, obviously, you have to believe that he is because he wouldn't. In theory, they wouldn't play him. But I, you can't tell me Haaland was hundred hundred percent fit yesterday. There's, there's no way, no way on earth. So. Yeah, uh, it was a little bit of a worry. It was a strong team on paper, but unfortunately, we, as, as the old saying goes, we don't play on, play on paper, do we? And it didn't quite turn out to be a strong team on the day. And I'm not, I'm not buying this. It's because of the World Cup's around the corner, stuff like this. I mean, every other team who played this this weekend has got players going to the World Cup. Is it, is it just City who have their players down in tools? Is it just, is it just us because our players are going to the World Cup? I don't buy that. I don't, I don't buy it at all. Other teams seem to get through okay. So yeah, I was uh, on paper very strong team, but some something wasn't quite right. Yeah, perhaps we did pay for. Uh, let me correct the pronunciation now. Ivan Tony, he, we we, sh- we should be blaming this on Gareth Southgate Ray because he he obviously uh, <clears throat> ticked Mr. Tony off and he was out with a point to prove. Well, I, I said uh, Ivan Tony would uh, have a point to prove. I said that um, once he wasn't picked for England, not just a point to prove to say he deserved to be there, but also to keep himself in that shot window in case somebody got injured. You know, 
26 players, there's a possibility that one of them will get injured if it was a striker. Next cab off the rank should be Ivan Tony. So he wanted to um, stay in everybody's minds. But regardless of what happened uh, in England, uh, for England, he's in pretty decent form at the moment. Um, you know, and he, he scraps like crazy for Brentford, like, like all the players do. We saw it yesterday. Um, so I think he, whether he was picked or not, you know, he'd have given it everything. And I think he he epitomises that, I think, that kind of player that if he had been picked, he wouldn't have held back. He'd have still given everything for the game. Um, so, yeah, you know, um, good on him. But I don't think, obviously, now uh, anybody's injured, so he, he's going to stay back. But, you know, Brentford have got a very good player. You know, people are interested in him because he's doing so well. He's, he, you know, on a, on a big stage against City. Um, there are several clubs in the, at the top end of the league who wouldn't mind someone like Ivan Sony uh, playing up top for them. Yeah, obviously, BT, uh, you might have um, seen this, BT um, were interviewing Thomas Frank uh, before the game, and uh, he said, uh, Ivan is a person with a strong character and a strong mentality. Of course, you're disappointed if you miss out an opportunity to represent your country in a World Cup. But what doesn't kill us makes us stronger, and he'll definitely be stronger after this and continue to develop. Well, he made an impact in this game, guys. But um, uh, let's move on and uh, let's uh, talk about uh, what happened in the uh, initial skirmishes, Bernard. Yeah, I mean, uh, Brentford didn't show any fear, did they? And we, we know damn well once teams come and take City on, uh, we haven't, you know, whatever defence we play, whether we've got uh, Stones at right back or Walker or we've got a settled back four, which we never seem to have. He seems to swap it every game. Uh, we struggle. We struggle against teams who have a go. We've done all season. That's been our big problem. If, if, if a team aren't scared of us, uh, we struggle. It's as simple as that. And, and Brentford weren't scared of us. And they, they probably should have been two or three up before. You know, there were certainly two up before they actually got the first goal. Um, fantastic from Brentford. Frank Saddam set up correctly. Uh, and within three minutes, Edison was turned into Ortega and made a great save. And that, that sort of inspired him. Obviously, that helped. Uh, and of course, after six minutes, he had another great chance. This time, Edison flapped a little bit, but he managed to, to we managed to keep it out and save it. Uh, so, so that first ten minutes, uh, I don't think City. I don't remember anything from City, and it was uh, we'll talk about it. it was sixteen minutes, and again, it was Brentford who, who took the lead. It was indeed. It actually, um, uh, Bernard actually stole all all of my. Uh, my, my talking points there, uh, the first 10 minutes was exceptionally good for Brentford. They were threatening and um, and uh, a, a sign of things to come, Ray. Yeah, I mean, look, um, they, they had a game plan, stuck to it, you know, um, launching a lot of long balls. Uh, I think, was it a third or two thirds of their goal kicks were uh, all their passes were, were long balls? Um but they had Ivan Tony, who won a lot of headers. I think it got to the stage that uh, Akanji just wasn't winning anything. And towards the end of the game, he just dropped off. Tony didn't even bother contesting one header. I think the, some fans uh, near me weren't, weren't too pleased. But he weren't going to win it anyway, so what's the point? Um, so Tony was winning a lot of headers. They were, and they were just aiming to get the second ball. Um, you know, they had a lot of men up uh, as much as possible. They pressed us like crazy. You know, they didn't let us pass that ball out from 
from the back. And, you know, I think Bernard has said we could have been a couple of down after 10 minutes. Uh, and they just carried on throughout the whole game. You know, they did tire a little bit, but they had that effort, um, you know, that motivation. that They found that energy from somewhere and they just kept on going. Um, so you've got to give them a ton of credit. But, you know, here, I'm going to have a pop at Pep. Yes, we've got four... We've got five great centre-backs, I think. Five great centre-backs. But at some point, you've got to pick your best. Stick with them. You can't keep chopping and changing. You can't. You just can't do that. Pick your best four and stay with them as long as you can. Occasionally, you, you, you know, mix it up a little bit. If someone's drop, dropping a, 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 in form or effort or injury or needs a rest, whatever. But at some point, you've got to say, right, this is my best team. I'm going to play it regularly. Um, and get in, and get back into that regular winning habit. Just you just got to do it. Um, so I've said it before. We need a right back. You know that, that that's a source of consternation at the moment. It gives up. Teams know there's an opportunity there. They know we haven't got Carl Walker. They're going to look at that. Um, there were plenty of opportunities. They came to, to be honest either side because Concello's. You know, uh, 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 Concello on the pitch is. Some uh, defensively is the same as Walker not playing because you know not much was <laughs> on his side. So um, you know it, it's it's a frustration. And for all that people say, Concello offers going forwards. I mean, like Bernard said in the past, what's with this out, out, uh, outside of the boot cross with his right foot? You know, and it, you, it's only brilliant when it's brilliant, but most of the time it isn't brilliant. You know, it's useless. So uh, sometimes I just like us to play sensible football. Um, but hey, it, it is what it is. Brentford, you know, they stuck to their plans. They worked hard. They did it throughout the game. And, yeah, you know, I'm, you know I'm, I'll say what we might have said later, but they deserve, they deserve their goals. Well, let's talk about the first one, Bernard, 16 minutes in. And I think I haven't done any real research on this, but I think um, one of the most frequent comments on Twitter was that was coming. Tell us about this goal. <laughs> yeah, um, I think it was from a free kick, wasn't it, in their own half? And obviously the old goalkeeper waddled up to it. I, he ran as always constipated. I don't know if he's got piles or what, but that he sort of strolled up to it. Spent about took him about a minute to get to the ball in the first place, and then he literally just what he did with his goal kicks. He just punted it into the area. Obviously, City with their because we use this high line, but we're chasing back. We're not we're not attacking the ball. We're running backwards as a defensive line. As a midfielder, you've got me, who's, cap- who's a, a capable lad. I quite like him. He got up to win the header, of course. Uh, we were no Ray might know specifically which City players were nowhere near. He won the header, looped on. Uh, I'll just check back to see if Edison could have been a bit quicker coming out or trying to do something with it. I, I'm not. I'm. I'm not 100% sure. Looking back at it, whether he could have come and tried to uh, beat Tony to it, but uh, no, Tony won the next one, and uh, again, Ray will probably tell us who he beat in the air, uh, and it was in the back of the net, and Edison was in no man's land. It was as simple as that. Edison did try to come out. He took a step forward as yeah, if he was yeah, going to come out, and I think that's. Yeah. that's that screwed him because his weight was forward. He, then he's tried to take a step back, I think, and it went over his head. There was yeah. no space over his head and, you know, between his his head and the crossbar, but he still managed to go in. And I just think his weight yeah. was wrong because he decided to come out. He didn't have any spring left in him. You know, he couldn't, you know, 
surely a goalkeeper, he wasn't that far out of the goal. You'd expect him in his standing position to be able to jump up and easily tip that over. But he was just in the, you know, I, I just think he had his uh, weight balance distribution, call it what you want, wrong. Um, and yeah, uh, yeah. yeah, it looped over him and it was a bit of a shock because you didn't expect, I don't think it was a great header, but it no. obviously was enough to go in. Yeah, guys, um, I think it was actually Laporte that he beat in the air for that for that header. But here's an interesting stat for you from the Guardian, guys. Um, very unexpected one. Uh, Brentford have never lost a top-flight game when taking the lead since they were promoted two seasons ago. That is very, very surprising. What do you think about that, Bernard? Uh, well, yeah, it probably shows him not took the lead very often, but <laughs> I don't know. Looking at it as a, as a stat, yeah, it was a very interesting stat. But uh, say, I wish I, I was going to say I wish I'd known that yesterday. But would it have made any difference? Uh, not what not one jot. I mean, stats are there to be disproven and proven, aren't they? So uh, very interesting, very interesting stat. And uh, yeah, I think looking at it, uh, it was certainly about. 27 minutes, I think, before we even got near there or got near their box and had an half decent chance. And that was for a, a handball shout, wasn't it? Which uh, wasn't convincing by any means. It there's no convincing angle for the VAR guy to get involved. And yeah, it's just very depressing, really, that first half. Brentford thoroughly deserved to be leading uh, up to that stage. Ray, uh, if you could possibly describe the, the city response to that, to Brentford's goal. Yeah, more of the same, wasn't it? I don't remember. Yeah, nothing, <laughs> nothing really. It didn't really change too much. I think I did sense a little bit of anger on those penalty calls. Uh, you know, City were angry. Uh, but sometimes you can channel that anger in the right way. But I, I, I didn't see us <laughs> channeling that anger rightly. You know, we were a little bit hot-headed. Uh, and we just carried on making mistakes. You know, we're making plenty of mistakes. Um, and the thing that got me, and it was throughout that game, I, I, I've, and I've said it for a, a, for a while now, we are really, really slow. When it, you know, we are slow passing it around. Yes, I understand it, it's for control of the game. You're looking for that opening. You know, if you can get a couple of openings, score two goals and don't let any in, you win a game comfortably. But it ain't how frustrating when you're just seeing your team passing it around. Um, not really going forwards. That's why we have so much possession. We just pass and get around at the back or with the DM to the centre-backs. And it's it's a little bit boring at times, that. Um, you know, we want a little bit more energy. And the thing is, when we did move the ball a bit quicker, we looked dangerous because because Brentford were pressing us. If we did beat that press, you know, or we, we stole the ball away from them uh, and we had a bit of an advantage going forwards, we looked a lot more dangerous because they, you know, they didn't have enough players back to, uh, to to control us. When we moved it quickly, then we looked decent. But most of the time, we were just moving it slow. It was it was just more of the same throughout that first half, you know. And and we, obviously, we mentioned Forden's goal. That kind of came out of the blue. It was a rasping shot, but it came out of the blue. Well, uh, we're going to talk about that a little bit later. But uh, perhaps Bernard, we could talk about some of these. Um... Penalty appeals, I think the first one was a handball shout and then there was a double appeal shortly after. 
Yeah, I mean, with the, I mean, obviously we talked about it. it. Was it did look? We were in the south stand, so it did look as though it was in the area that he handballed it to us. But obviously, looking back at highlights and sort of still frames, I mean, there's nothing conclusive to say. It was a definite handball, and we did get the free kick, didn't we? But obviously, it was classed as being outside the area. Many people thought it was on the line. So yeah, a little bit hard done to. I think, and then I think the other penalty shouts was were for. Uh, ultimate wrestling wasn't it in the, in the box I, I thought I saw an image today where you know it was just ludicrous there was two or three City players literally being manhandled to the to the ground and you remember a couple of seasons ago when they were clamping down on this and awarding penalties for a week or two and then it all of a, all of a sudden died so it's just something they're ignoring again now it does, doesn't matter you get wrestled to the floor and not get a penalty but it was all a bit uh, a bit. What's the what's the word? We were desperate. We were really desperate because we couldn't get into the game. It was as simple as that, and and that's the sad thing. Uh, Bernard, any merit in any of these uh, penalty appeals at all? There must have been about three of them. <sighs> yeah, I mean, I saw one today that looks looks. I mean, the City player, I can't remember who it was now, had his arm high, but I mean, at the end of the day, he was wrestled to the ground. I mean, it's, he was going for the ball, he got wrestled to the ground. It's as simple as that. Oh, hey. uh, I'm not going to defend and say, uh, uh, you know, VAR should have done its job because we know it's a load of crap. So, uh, yeah, it's just, we're, ne- we're never going to get it. Someone else, it'll be given outside of the area, but in the area, certainly City aren't going to get it, are we? Mm-hmm. Well, I think it was not really until the 40th minute that City began to play a little bit better. Um, De Bruyne being a little bit um, influential. Uh, we did then uh, get the goal on the 45th uh, minute. Perhaps we could uh, we could talk about that a little bit. You want me to talk about that? Yeah, you go. Um, you go in, Ray. You have a go. Come on, let's hear about it. All right, we had that. We had a corner. Got flicked on by a uh, knocked on by a Kanji. And it went out to, to Phil Fordham. And I, uh, I'm um, in, the, in the side stand right at the back. And you could tell as soon as it bounced and went towards him, you just knew it was going in the net. Honestly, it, you know, we were uh, jumping up, uh, jumping up as he hit that ball because you just knew if he got a good connection, that's all it needed. And he got a whopping connection. It was fantastic. Kept to, uh, you know, himself uh, over the ball. Um, and he slammed it in goal. He had no chance. It was a, it was a per- perfect shot, really. Um, but you, you know, it, it was one of those things. We put funny thing is we put the ball in the mixer, and it was a decent ball. You know, could have gone anywhere. And we pick up that loose ball and slam it home. And it shows what can be done occasionally when you do put it in the box because we have some six foot plus players, uh, and it is disappointing that we don't win more in the air, in, in the penalty area, you know, from corners and stuff. We, my God, we get so many. You'd think they'd practice it and they'd not, you know, they'd have some routine, better routines worked out um, so that we we can basically score more goals and use the, you know, height that we do have. You know, not just, I mean, Haaland's six foot five, so he's a monster. But we've got several players who are six foot, six foot one, six foot two. So I think we should be doing better. But, you know, Foden, uh, he absolutely scorched it in. And look, uh, just before that, I put a tweet out uh, to say we need. We, uh, I wanted Mares and uh, Gomez on the pitch to offer something different. And one of the people I was thinking I'd take off was Foden, um, but hey, he, he came up with the goods, and uh, for that you got to be thankful. Yeah, and Bernard, um, uh, it was quite interesting. I, I thought that uh, uh, 
Brentford were like hanging on a little bit and hoping for the halftime whistle, which they did get. And then, of course, you know, just as Ray was saying, we were wondering, you know, what Pep was going to do at uh, halftime. But again, I think we probably have to revisit this issue of Pep's reluctance to use uh, substitutes or change a game that's uh, getting away from him. Perhaps that goal from uh, Foden made him um, a little bit uh, complacent, but um, it's becoming a bit of an issue, Bernard, isn't it? Yeah, I, th- I think I think the, the fact of when the goal came, I don't think you were suddenly going to get changes then, because to be honest with you, one-one. Uh, a decent City team, the City team we've had for the last few seasons. You just expect us to go on and, and crush them in the second half. It's as simple as that. Pep probably thought that the guys should have been up for it. The lads on the pitch should have been up for it after getting that equaliser in in uh, injury time of the first half. So I thoroughly didn't expect any changes. I knew Pep. I knew Pep was just. It would stick entirely with this with the same team for the start of the second half. Obviously, as the game goes on, well, that's where the problem comes in, isn't it? But I, I wouldn't have expected any changes very quickly at half time or afterwards because we actually came out pretty well in the second half. And I thought Brentford looked a little bit tentative then, that, and that's when we usually bury teams. So that was that was the big disappointment for me that in the fact that uh, certainly for that first few minutes of the second half we looked better. Pep was right not to make any substitutions then, but yes, you're quite right. When it starts getting to the 60, 65th minute, you've got to consider, because we've not really created that much, you've got to consider putting some subs on. And Pep, and Pep, Pep has, uh, again, made the same mistake that he, he continually makes at times. And we've spoke, spoke about it on here many times. It's, uh, it's, it's for a wonderful manager like he is, he... he you know, he's some, he has this sort of faith in his team that he's picked, and sometimes that that faith is groundless. And I think at that stage of the game yesterday, in the into the 60th minute, 65th minute, uh, to have faith in that team scoring a, scoring another goal, even to win the game, never mind lose the game. Um, I think he was a bit, you know, too much faith. Just just change it, Pep, uh, and he didn't, and uh, we paid the price. Uh, Ray um, uh, Bernard's exactly right. That certainly that first five minutes after the break. City were all over them. I mean, 74% possession, and we thought uh, this is coming. I must have looked away because whenever when I look back at my screen, I suddenly saw um, Laporte down on the ground with blood all over the place. What, uh, what, I, di- I didn't actually catch that. What ha- what happened there? I didn't see exactly what happened. I didn't, uh, and, and you know, it, it's a bugbear of everybody in the ground. We don't see any replays anymore. There's nothing. Absolutely zip. We didn't uh, see a replay of Foden's goal. We don't see a replay of anything. And I've got to say, it is really pathetic when VAR is involved. We don't know what's going on. The the only way you can find out what's going on, get your phone out because it's a lunchtime kickoff. You know, it's on on TV, on on, on, uh, uh, cable TV, satellite TV, whatever. uh, It was BT Sport yesterday. So I could watch. Uh, you know, I had a, a few people behind me and at the sides of me watching on my phone to, so we could see what was going on. You know, who got hurt? It was Laporte when we when Foden's goal. People wanted to see a replay or, or um, Brentford's first goal against us. No one, you know, it was at the far end. You don't really see much of what's going on. So it, that was a, a, a bit of a shame. Um, so, yeah, the injury, he was down for must have been seven or eight minutes. Seven minutes, yeah. Um, and I, I mean, I said to the fellow next to me, I said, this, you know, it's a head injury. There's no way he can really, he should be going on. If he's got a head injury and you're down for that amount of time, I, f- I find it difficult 
that, you know, with the concussion rules and everything else, that is not going off. I mean, it's got to be summit to be down for that that length of time. You know, uh, we were on the break as well. So Bernardo, <coughs> he was really brassed off because we were on the break and, and he, had, he was running away with the ball. Uh, but look, um, you know, he, he they wrapped him up, uh, Terry Butcher-esque, and, uh, uh, you know, he just carried on. Yeah, they. Uh, I, I think what they're saying was an accidental elbow, and yeah, they did uh, uh, patch him up. He was <clears throat> standing up, eventually looking like a. Uh, well, like a... He, he was he was arguably our best player from then on, to be honest with you. So he certainly did uh, did him some good, didn't he? <laughs> yeah, I, mean, I thought he he was giving a Pablo Zabaleta kind of impression after that. You know, probably the most heavily bandaged player in our history. But um, on it went. Uh, and City were again, sort of, for the next sort of uh, five, six, seven minutes, they were um, they were very Im- impressive, Bernard. Yeah, I mean, uh, I've got here, yeah, I've got a little note on my match report that I did. Obviously, one thing that stood out to me, and it, it was about sixty-six minute, was the miss from Gundogan, which uh, I think he's actually said he perhaps should have took a, a touch before he hit it. But I mean, he, he nearly hit the guys in the second tier of the family stand, didn't he? It was. It was awful. That's what stood out to me mostly in that uh, period of dominance for City, which is what it was. It was a period of dominance for City. Uh, And obviously Gundogan really should have put that on target. It should have been 2-1 at that stage. And I don't understand Gundogan because he normally... He's not used. He's not one for putting his foot through it particularly. Like he likes to pass the ball into the net, and I just don't. You know, if he'd if he'd sort of thought a little bit more and just done what he normally does, I think we might might have had a chance. But that that was the most impressive thing. And to be honest with you, that stung Brentford back into action then because they actually started to put us under a little bit more pressure again after that. So it would have been a different game altogether, I think, if that Gundogan effort had gone in. But uh, I think Brentford came back into it after that. They did, uh, you know, and City fans were are, were still very optimistic. Uh, here's another stat that City have scored more goals in the final 15 minutes of games than any other team in the Premier League this season. But uh, uh, Brentford continued to to employ quite a high press, uh, which was a little bit unexpected, Rick. Yeah, look, they, they, they're one of the few teams that will come to, uh, to Manchester and give it a go. I mean, they can go. To, anybody can go to the other side of Manchester or just outside of Manchester and give it a go. But not not many teams. It's very rare that a team will come at City and give it a go. Everybody's really going to be uh, playing a four-five-one formation, and they're not going to throw players up. They're not going to press us. Uh, really, I think it's only Liverpool that really, really give it a go. That off the top of my head, Brighton were decent against us the other week. But no one really has a go at trying to stop our pre- uh, break our sorry presses uh, our defenders and, and and you know Brentford really did that. Got to give them total credit. Um, and they were still hoping, they were still hopeful that you know they could get something more out of that game, not just the one-one, not just a draw. And as, as I think Bernard said, talking about the subs, we didn't need them because we were generally in control in that second half. We got back to parity. Uh, and you didn't really need to change it early. But I don't think you need to leave it till the 80-odd minute to make a change. <laughs> so it should have happened a little bit. You know, no, come on, Pep, Pep's been whinging and whinging, you know, I mean, uh, about needing five subs. And then he leaves most of them on the bench. What's the point? Mm. The thing is, yesterday, some 
a few things weren't working. Some players were awful. Yeah. Um, I don't even think many of them would have got more than three or four from Bernard for, for his. Uh, and Bernard's a, usually a generous soul when he's. <laughs> you are, you are. Um, I have, yes, I agree, yes. <laughs> but a lot of them were rubbish. You know, yeah. I can't you, it weren't working for him to get up against Ivan Tony. And I thought, why don't you mix it up a bit? Why don't you, you know, for instance, I think John Stones is a very good header of the ball. And I, going back um, to when Ruben Diaz came and John Stones was his partner, I used to say John Stones wins a lot of headers outside the box and Diaz would be the one who wins them inside the box. So I don't understand why we didn't try that option of putting John Stones at centre-back and putting a Kanji on the right and then let John mm. Stones go up against um, your man Ivan Tony a little bit more. You know, I think, I, I think you know, can't prove this. I think um, John Stones would have a little bit more physicality against uh, Ivan Tony. He might stick into him a little bit more than a Kanji would. Um, and I think that what, that's what was needed. You, there's so many things you could have done with the players on the pitch, move them around. You know, I don't think it was working with Bernardo on the right. He was better moved on the uh, in, in the middle of the park. Maybe that needed a sub or maybe moving people around a little bit. I think at one point I saw KDB ended up on the right. Bernardo moved back into the middle. Um, but we needed to try different things. And it was a, it was frustrating that, uh, that Brentford was still sticking to it and, and having a go at us. And we were just playing the same. Yes, we were. We had more possession. We were more dominant than them. But it wasn't as if we were creating bundles of chances. I don't mind if we're doing playing a certain way if we're creating lots of chances looking for that opening and keeping our back door closed we were doing none of that um well bernard one player who was trying to make things happen was cancello it was a 77th minute <laughs> uh, thunderbolt that the keeper managed just to turn around uh the the post and then he gets booked for diving in the 84th minute it's kind of comical um i don't know what you thought about uh, about his um his attempt oh, to, to kind of, kind of like rejuvenate himself. He's a mad ass, mate. He's, he's a bloody mad ass. I can't stand him when he. There's one in the first half where he, he, he went, he sort of went, nearly went down because he supposedly got a, a fingernail in his eye. I don't know what the bloody hell it was. He cocked up and he just, you know. And then that that dive, we couldn't see it properly from where we were in the south stand. But you just just knew he's got previous for it. And when things aren't working for Cancelo, which let's face it, it's not worked for a few games for Cancelo though. So. Yeah, I wasn't surprised. Uh, I hate seeing it. I hate seeing City players play acting and messing them. You know, Bernardo's different. He, he does it and winds up the opposition. Cancelo just does it and looks like a... We used to call them Mary Ellens in the old days, didn't we, guys? I'm not sure if we're allowed to call them Mary Ellens now, but uh, it just it just annoyed me. Cancelo, Cancelo annoyed me yesterday. Call them Harry Mellons. That'll do. <laughs> Any melons, yeah, whatever. Well, it's just pathetic, mate. I don't, I don't like it. I don't want to see it from a city player. And you know, he can take his lovely teeth and his coiffured hair and stick it where the sun don't shine. Oh my gosh, Bernard, that's uh, that's very harsh. Anyway, uh, at the same time, <laughs> at the same time, uh, Ray, it, obviously his um, antics didn't impress uh, Pep because he finally made that substitution we were talking about. Cancelo got got hurt. And on comes Julian, uh, Julian Alvarez. How long, how, what, what minute was that, Mike? Uh, 87. 87. 87. Ah, 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 you know, nice and early. Well, 
okay, there, mm. was, there was going to be at least around 10 minutes of injury time. And there was. I think it should have been a little bit more because if Laporte's down for three, you know, seven, sorry, seven minutes, I thought those was, was plenty of time wasting as well. It needed about 12 minutes, but who should say we would have scored? It, it, it would have been enough time for, for Brentford to beat us 4 1. Yeah, that's for sure. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. <laughs> so, you know, Alvarez came on, he looked a bit more exciting. He did, he looked more exciting. You know, he injected a bit of pace, he had a go. One, but one thing that really got me, and I, you know, I've not mentioned this yet, is this dependency on Haaland, looking for him all the time. In the first half, I it was Foden. He had a chance for a shot on the, his left-hand side. Decent chance for a shot. And what does he do? He's, he crosses it for Haaland. He's looking for Haaland. I think he played it behind him. We had one in the first half again, KDB. I think Foden had put this lousy crossing. I think it was Foden on his left foot because it can't have been Cancelo because he would never cross with his left foot. So it must have been Foden. And it was a bad cross because it was just went over Haaland's head. Now, Haaland, I think he was frustrated. Because he was never getting that. So he jumps up, knowing he's going to miss it, and then he falls down and he's lying flat on his back. We're imploring him to get up because the ball's going out to KDB on the right. Haaland's lying on the floor, just you know, staggering to his feet, and KDB puts the cross in. He didn't look. He didn't look to see. You know, He was expecting Haaland to be there, and Haaland was just getting off the floor. And I accept that in, the, in other games, he's just put the ball in a space, and Haaland's turned up. And he's done it without looking. So you know, maybe he expects... But he did it without looking again didn't work. And then Alvarez did the same. He's he's going through on the left. He's through. You know, he should be looking to cut across the defender if the defender's, you know, chasing him back. So the, the defender obviously doesn't want to foul him. Um, and having a shot, that's what he should be doing. And instead he plays it to Haaland. I think he played it behind him. Uh, and the chance was, uh, you know, was given away, given up. So I don't understand that. And, and, and it kind of made me think that for all the goals we've been scoring and the games we've been winning, there's, in my opinion, there's two people who stand out and they've taken all the plaudits this season, apart from a bit from a Kanji at the back. And that's Harlem with all the goals he scored and KDB. And if they're not at it, we're relying on them far too much. You know, we used to be a team, a team where we relied on everybody pulling their weight and now are we relying on KDB, you know, feeding Haaland? Is that how it's going to work? Mm-hmm. Um, and if they're not on it or, or whatever, we're going to struggle. So, you know, I give Akanji, uh, sorry, um, Alvarez credit. He came on, he buzzed about, he, he works hard, he, you know, ran, ran the lines. Um, but you just cannot keep passing to KDB thinking he's going to, you know, create something wonderful because they didn't give him any time or space. Every time he got the ball, there was someone right in front of him. And normally KDB, we control the game in such a way that we can, the, the guy on the right can roll it back to KDB and KDB can just put a cross in. And every time the ball came out to KDB, there was someone there stopping him doing that. They just didn't give him a moment's piece. And look, he's a world-class player. You give him time and space, we can see what he, he can do. Thomas Frank snuffed that out and Brentford, played really well for it but you can't just rely on KDB and Haaland to do everything for you because as I said if they're not at it what else have we got after that? Well uh, Bernard I think that latter incident that Ray described pretty much summed up uh, Man City uh, yesterday because as uh, as Ray pointed out you know as soon as Alvarez uh, came on he was in acres of space down the left after after being uh 
found by Gundogan, and he he tried to pick up Haaland, and he slipped on his backside, and the ball uh, ran behind him. Um, can you give us your thoughts on uh, Holland's uh, Holland's uh, contribution to this game? Yeah, as I said, I don't think he's right, mate. I don't. I don't think he was a hundred percent. As Ray's quite rightly said, we're relying too much on him. But the thing, the thing we, we don't seem, you know, we've got eleven men on that pitch, and we've got players like KDB and and Haaland who perhaps have uh, uh, definitely definitely a one mat one mat, you know, man for man, and then they might have an extra man as well. So we should have space around the pitch. We should have space for people like Gundogan to do a little bit more. He did. That's why I was a bit really miffed with Gundogan yesterday. You know, it was all right, but say apart from that shot, that terrible shot. Players like him, you know, he's experienced. He's a brilliant player. He should be finding room. You know, the Bernardo was, as Ray said before, was played out on the wing. That's not where he should be playing. He should be playing in and around the middle and causing problems. Phil Foden should be causing problems. It's you know KDB and Haaland, as Ray said, it it's getting a bit bit. You know, these other players are world class players. He should be doing and committing themselves and doing a lot more for the cause and. Yesterday it just wasn't there, and as I say, it's uh, Brentford played very, very well. You know, made made it very tight all over the pitch. But there should be room for one of the two of them. You know, for a Gundogan to actually do something a little bit more. Foden, Bernardo, all these guys to do something, and they just didn't. And of course, when it got to the 90th minute, and Alvarez had been on for three minutes, they had another ten. I mean that. You know, by the 73rd minute, 75th minute, it was obvious we needed to change something. But obviously, that's where you, you mentioned before, Pep just doesn't do it. And it was 87 minutes. I don't see the point of that. And to be honest with you, the last 10 minutes, we were quite excited because we thought, oh, yeah, we're, we're still in the ascendancy. We might be able to pull something back. But it, it was it was them again. It was Brentford who actually created the best chances in that final 10 minutes. We, we didn't really create anything then, apart from a couple of good Alvarez things, as we mentioned, for um, Haaland to, to slip over. And as I said, I don't I don't think Haaland was right yesterday. I don't think he should have he should have started that game. I think we should have started with Alvarez. I think Greeley should have played that game yesterday. It's not hindsight. It was in, in my team. It's just a shame that we didn't do a little bit more, but credit to Brentford. Yeah, uh, Ray, it's interesting, isn't it? Because I think, uh, like all City fans, when the board went up and showed that there was uh, another uh, 10 minutes to play, I thought, OK, come on, we are the comeback kings. We have got this. But uh, one of the the most dispiriting things was uh, certainly for the first uh, five uh, minutes, actually longer, um, of that extra uh, period, uh, Brentford were still snapping into the tackles, weren't they? <laughs> I said it. They went through the whole game. They they just carried on doing it and doing it and doing it. Um, they were relentless. It's a funny old thing, you know. But look, they they spanked United four 0 this season, didn't they? Was it four one? They beat. You know, they put four patch. Was and that was at half time. Four 0 at half time. They've four 0 Yeah, four 0 Yeah, they've done us. They beat. They beat, they beat, they beat, they beat Leeds. They beat Leeds five two. That was another big win. Yeah. And there's another, I can't remember who it was up at the top of the table or near the top that they, they, they did pretty well at against. But they've had some shockers as well. Um, but they just managed to turn it on against the big teams. And, you know, you can argue that some of the big teams are a little bit more one-dimensional. Can I say that? We're a bit predictable. And I, I said this actually a few years ago. Sometimes when we put out our best side, it isn't good enough. And And, you know, even though people question him and query why he's doing it sometimes it's when you put play slightly differently that 
you can um, unlock those defences because they're not expecting what you're doing. But when you play the way we set up and the way we played, it was pretty uh, obvious what we were going to, you know, we do, what we do normally. But it just didn't work. And Brentford were the ones. And you know, if if you if you're honest about it, they had the most, the best, and the most clear cut chances. Well, uh, Bernard, um, at the risk of repeating myself, up again um, on Twitter comes the phrase that was coming because in the eighth minute we got uh, Ivan Tony with another opportunity to raise his middle finger to Gareth Southgate uh, by scoring the winner. And um, we were stung by the bees. Um, perhaps you could tell us a little bit about this goal. Yeah, I mean, he'd had a chance in the 91st minute, hadn't he, that Edison had saved with his feet from an angle, and that was a little bit of a warning. And then 98 minutes, and it, it was a court, city corner, wasn't it? That's that's the unforgivable thing. A city corner ended up that, uh, and KDB sort of committed himself right at the at the back when the Brentford player got hold of it, and he just casually strolled around it. Again, I don't know the names. My apologies, guys, of who it was. And they broke. Uh, and the thing was, we actually got the men back. We actually got the men back to cover. Uh, it wasn't, it, it, oh, we got men back here, we'll be all right. And then it was just a simple cross and Tony just turned it so it turned it in about the middle of the six-yard box. It was just a simple goal in the end. And, uh, of course, he ran, they ran over to the Brentford fans who quite rightly uh, thoroughly enjoyed it. But uh, it was just, uh, it was, it reminded me a bit of, was it the COVID season when we, uh, sort of drew back with Leeds and then we let them score a late winner. Um, I think the Tottenham late winner, we might have been the same season or the season before. It just, you know, where or a, a point isn't great, it's not, but a point a point will do. All right, we can't score, at least keep the point, boys. And we're just yeah. so naive sometimes. It, it's incredible, a team of our ability to be so naive and not just at, stay, at some stage. I'm not saying we don't go for the win, but at least make sure we don't get beat and we got beat again. The thing and is, the guy who lost, the guy who did a half-hearted tackle, who basically you either take the guy out, this was just outside their box, you take yeah, the guy yeah. out or you hold your ground. You do not commit yourself when you are not. He wasn't going to win the ball. You know, we were at the other end of the pitch. We knew he wasn't going to win the ball. That was KDB. I'm pretty sure yeah. it was KDB. He was never going to win the ball. Although, Ray, he... Uh, he threw himself he in. Got obviously... Yeah, he, he look. He, you can you can argue he redeemed himself later on. Well, he, maybe if he hadn't done that in the first place, he would have needed to redeem himself. It, it, what he did was irredeemable. It yeah. was irredeemable. He put us behind. But the thing is, their players legged it from their own box. They were running from their own box to us. I think Ben Mee afterwards he said he was charging up there, and then he had to slow down because he remembered where he was. You know that he wasn't <laughs> supposed to be. Um, up there, I mean, that's that was their mentality. He wasn't supposed to be up there, um, and uh, so he had to slow down a bit. But they put the players in the box. We had two men on on the right. I don't know who was it Mbueno or whoever it was on the right. Uh, we had two men there, and he did the first guy. I don't know what the second guy behind him was doing. You know, you don't stand directly behind him. You go down maybe a, a couple of yards further down the line. You know, maybe are you show him inside? I don't know, but it was just far too easy to, to take, uh, you know, shift the ball a couple of yards down the wing and put the cross in. And we had two men in there um, who should have been able to deal with Tony, and we didn't do it. 
It was shocking defending. It was horrible defending. Um, and yeah, it, it, you know, uh, it was it was just it was so deflating. And as Bernard said, the minimum you do, the minimum you do is do not let them score. The minimum you take the one point. It was a horror horror performance, shocking performance. You take it away and say, look, at worst. At worst, we get a point. If Arsenal win, we're four points behind. That's not a problem. You know, we we stay an extra point clear of the other teams. All right. It, it, it's shocking now to see the league table where Spurs, what, three points behind us? Yes, we got a game in hand. Three points. Spurs are crap. United are six points behind us. Liverpool, ten. You know, why are we giving these... T- the fans can't believe it. Their fans can't believe how close they are to City after how badly they played. And Liverpool fans are saying, hang on, we lost to Leeds and to Nottingham Forest. Two teams near the bottom. If we'd won them, we'd be four points behind City. Game on. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's like it's like we want to say, right, well, we, we are comfortable. We are strolling this race. I'll tell you what. I'll tell you what we're going to do. We're going to tie our shoelaces together, OK? Because that'll make it more difficult and we'll... You know, stagger over the line. We might just win it by what? Yes, we've done it before. Win it by one point. I don't want to win it by one point. I said this a, a few weeks ago. I want to be. We should have won against Brentford. We we are, we are too good a side not to. That's not in, uh, a feeling of entitlement. We were just too many good players, and and it didn't happen. I, if we're going to win the league, I want to win it, and know we've won it with about six games to go because that allows you to focus on your Champions League. It allows you to mix things up, rest players, uh, you know, and maybe go further in, in the FA Cup or whatever. Now, this just means it's going to go right down to the wire and we're going to have that situation like the other season where, was it a couple of, when we played Dortmund in the Champions League and because we'd beaten them only 2-1 at home, we had to put out, uh, you know, half a side against, was it Chelsea in the FA Cup semi-final and we got beat. Um you know, if we'd beaten Dortmund that weekend, 3-0, sorry, that week, 3-0, we'd have put out a stronger side at the weekend for the FA Cup semi-final. So I want to be in that position where we, if we're going to win it, we win it comfortably, cleanly, no heart palpitations, and then you can do what you want with the rest of the season and focus on other stuff. It didn't happen. It was shocking. Terrible. Well, Bernard, uh, there's Ray telling us what he wants. I would like to be married to Cindy Crawford and living on a beachfront property in Malibu. <laughs> I was but worried that you were going to get married to me for a second. <laughs> <laughs> that, 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 that's not going to happen. Uh, this is just, <laughs> <laughs> that's not going to happen. And these are, these are the way things are. But uh, Bird, uh, Brent, Brentford gave, gave us a real lesson in scrapping to the final uh, whistle. And uh, then you get um, uh, various apologists coming up on social media talking about how the fact that City have got 16, 16. Uh, players going to the World Cup and their heads weren't in the game. But as you pointed out, um, a lot of other teams are not in quite that situation, but uh, they've got players going to the the World Cup as well. Do you put any stock in that um, theory about uh, players not wanting to get injured and not really giving their all because they're about to head off to the World Cup? 
No, I don't. I don't buy into it. I, as I said, other teams got through with no problems yesterday. All right, some teams have got 14, 13 players. Still a lot. Still a lot of players. Uh, yesterday, the basic facts were we had twenty nine shots yesterday. Twenty nine shots at Brentford. And do you remember their keeper making one decent save? I'm sorry, I'm struggling to remember one. I think it was one. I thought I think he made in a corner. Was it, I don't know, it was Cancelo that you mentioned before or whatever? But twenty nine. Shots. That was the problem yesterday. 29 shots, only six on target. Absolute rubbish. Nothing to do with the World Cup or anything like that. Uh, we just weren't at it. Uh, yesterday it was a bad day at the office, literally. Uh, and it could have been a bad day uh, getting a point. It was an absolute disaster day just getting no points. But we're all positive, aren't we? We're second in the league. We've got to be positive. I'll tell you what, though, with 24 games left of this season, we're going to have to be a damn sight better than we have been this first 14, even though we are sitting in second spot, because there's no way uh, some of those games we played in those first 14, if we carry on that sort of form after the World Cup, uh, we won't be doing a, th- a three a three a three-peat, whatever it's called. We won't be doing one of them. I'll, I'll be happy with an FA Cup or something like that if it if it carries on. But uh, yeah, that, that was a problem yesterday. We just we just weren't quite at it. Brent, all credit to Brentford. They had a wonderful game plan. It worked. All right, people are moaning about them time wasting. Well, that's part and parcel of football nowadays. Not, you know, just what's the point of moaning about it? That's what teams do. 29 shots, six on target. 10 shots from Brentford, eight on target. That that was the difference yesterday. Mm-hmm. Bernard, do you think we were just off it or miles off it? We were just a little bit down? Oh. I, th- I think we were miles off it. And I think it started with the fact that I don't think uh, all the t- I don't think it was the mind on the World Cup. I think key players like Haaland just weren't weren't 100% fit and shouldn't have played. Simple as that. Mm-hmm. And Ray, Ivan Tony coming out with the ancient wisdom at the end of the game, when he came out with this line, they might be Man City. But they're humans, and humans can lose games, Ray. Absolutely. Look, you know, we're not infallible. If you don't put a good performance in, you're not necessarily going to win. You've got to look at some of the wins we've had this season. You know, you can argue we've been fortunate. We've had moments of magic again. You know, was it that Fulham one? That pen, that gen, you can, whether it's, you think it's a generous penalty or not, you know, that was in injury time. And the goalie should have saved that. So that penalty. So, you know, we've we've been fortunate and I think that's covered up the cracks. Haaland scoring all these goals. Everyone's been cock a hoop about him and KDB with about whatever 10 or 11 assists. Everybody's been over the moon, over the blue moon, uh, a little bit too much. Uh, and we've kind of taken our eye off that. We sometimes haven't been playing that well. It's a bit more, it's for me, it's a bit too stodgy. You know, when we had the false nine, we were amazing last season at times, absolutely amazing. And I, and I think we've lost that. I, I really do. I think we lost that ability to, for places to, you know, for five places to sw- uh, switch around. Um, but look, it is what it is. You know, Brentford, they did a number on us. You have to lick our wounds and disappear. I've, I've got a question before I forget, Bernard. We're talking about that three-peat. Maybe it's a bit too soon to talk about that. But would you rather have the three-peat or win the Champions League this season? No, I want to win the Champions League, mate. I've changed. I don't, I'm not asked anymore. I just want the Champions League and then we'll go back to winning the leagues, uh, the Premier League season after that and on after that then after that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, guys, I'd encourage you to um, put your fingers on your keyboards and uh, come over to the BBC website where 
you can see the table and we can we can talk just a little bit about some of the other results now if you go to the BBC website and you can see the table there and then click the little button at the bottom which says view full Premier League table uh, you can get a good look at the situation in terms of uh, goals uh, uh, scored and uh, conceded and uh, my goodness uh, it's uncomfortably close we're on 32 points Bernard with um, although Newcastle and Tottenham have played an extra game Newcastle just two points behind and Tottenham yeah they're loving it they'll be loving it won't they the, the, the Geordies will be loving it and why not why not that's quite right we've had this transition I mean you know, uh, I think that's fantastic. Uh, Howe's doing a great job uh, at Newcastle. Uh, I'm not too worried about Tottenham. We know what Tottenham are like. That's But uh, Newcastle and Arsenal, uh, yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, we can't, you know, if it turns out we don't win it, well, why not Newcastle? Let, let, let them have a bit of glory. We'll, they'll probably, I, know, I, I have no doubt the Newcastle fans will will be, uh, uh, you know, obviously not shy about coming forward about how brilliant they are and how crap we are and other teams. But, uh, yeah, because I, I do expect that. But, yeah, why, why not? I mean, I just hate to see United up there. And obviously they had a, a last-minute victory today, didn't they, as well? But uh, it's, it was a pretty dire dire weekend for us, wasn't it, guys, for City fans, to be honest. Well, apart from United. winning the T T20 World Cup, that, that was even that didn't rescue the weekend for me anyway. You've got to look at it. Arsenal won, Newcastle won, the Spurs won, United won, Liverpool won, and we lost. Yeah. So everybody's Dreadful. made up three points. <laughs> we've lost two out of the last five. It is it is worrying. And if you look at the other games we've won, Brighton put up a good performance against us. We got Fulham in the last minute, and I can't remember the, the other one. It uh, must have been in a way somewhere where we probably won 1-0 or something. Um, well, we beat Leicester. We beat Leicester, but that that was reasonably comfortable. Yeah, I, mean, I, so, guys, I think the only thing that sort of gives me a, a tiny amount of pleasure is that although it is really about that that uh, uh, top four, just to see Liverpool like ten points behind us. Yeah, uh, but you know, uh, Ray, I know that you, you you're always talking about their ability to come. I, I said, that's oh, yeah. look, looking at their I, statistics. I said, you know. I said they'll be top four at the end of the season. Look, as I just said, they, they, they lost those games to, to stupid games to lose against uh, Forest uh, and Leeds. And if they hadn't, you can argue, well, you know, it's all ifs, buts and maybes. But they really should be on about 28 points. Or you could say, OK, they got lucky in one game with a late goal. Maybe 26, six points behind City, 24 games to go. It's nothing. Yeah, but Liverpool are 10 points behind City. Are they 10 points? That's their own, that's their own fault. But... Hey, you know, they, they should have been a lot further behind, and they're not. You know, um, it's nice to have that gap, but, you know, putting some more shoddy performances like this, we've got, I can't remember, who said, I read it somewhere, we've got five, was it uh, five of the top six to play in a short space of time? You know, we're going to have a really tough period where we're going to get to... Well, look, at, look, at, look at our next four away games. All right, Leeds is away. That's not going to be easy. United, Chelsea and Spurs. I mean, if we get 12 points from there, I'll be absolutely cock-a-hoop and we're winning the league. But we'll have to come back in January and see, won't we? Well, we got, yeah. you know, I mean, we normally talk about it later on, but when you look at the fixtures that we've got, when we come back from the World Cup, it's that Carabao Cup game against Liverpool. Like Bernard said, we've got uh, Leeds away. We've got Everton at home who were... You know, Lampard's under a lot of pressure, but hey, 
you know, we'd won all our league games at home this season until we played Brentford. And Brentford hadn't won a single game away. So maybe we're going to play Everton into some form. But then we've got Chelsea away, United away, Wolves at home, which I don't think would be by that stage as easy as we would like or would have hoped. And then we've got Spurs away before we hopefully get some easier fixtures and the Champions League uh, kicks in again. Uh, but, you know, we've got, uh, we got them all, really. We've got all those tough fixtures, uh, like, like we say, with Spurs, United and, and Chelsea in there. Um, so it's not going to be easy. It's going to be hard work. You know, I, I just I feel frustrated because you look at the games where we've dropped points this season. Liverpool, we pep messed it up a bit. Um, we drew with Newcastle. You know, that looks like a good point away from home now. We drew with Villa. That was a horrible... That was because Steven Gerrard, their team was getting battered left, right and centre and we we only walked away with a point and then losing to Brentford. It's it's frustrating. And people can say, yes, but last season, we were you know, after 14 games, we had 32 points. So what's, what's changed? Last season, we put in some stellar performances in the remaining 24 games. And we, we did we finish with 93, Bernard, off the top of your head? So we got 61 points mm. in 24 games. We lost 11 points in the rest of the season, I think, something like that. I can't see us doing that this season, you know. Um, and it'll be a, 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 no. be a huge frustration if we don't win this, the, uh, the league this season. Got to give Arsenal credit because they keep uh, pumping out the results. But, you know, it's, from, what, from what we've seen, the control we've had over the last, most of the last five seasons, it's, it was really disappointing yesterday. Well, guys, uh, just something else. Um, uh, just to give me a little bit of op- um, sort of optimistic thoughts, just looking at those um, for and against goals columns. Now, it, it tells a bit of a story, really, because um, Arsenal and, and Newcastle have conceded the fewest on 11. And, uh, of course, City come next with having conceded 14. But from there, from Newcastle, from Tottenham Hotspur down, these look like the scores of lower lower middle order batsmen. Uh, you know, 21, 20, 17, 19, 17. Uh, Liverpool having conceded 17, Fulham 26, and and from there it just it, it, it's a bit rampant. And also uh, in terms of goals scored, obviously we're way out in front with 40. The nearest is is Arsenal uh, on 33, uh, Tottenham on 31. So we're doing something right. And, and here's the thing. Here's the thing, uh, Bernard. Uh, Erling Haaland is getting basically a long vacation. So uh, providing he doesn't you know, do something stupid, he's going to be very well rested when we come back. Yeah, well, I, I think there's something else. It's not quite right at the moment. And uh, hopefully this will sort it out. Uh, I'm sure I'm sure there's no further work on it needed doing a little op or anything like that. I'm sure it's nothing that bad, but... He needs to get himself sorted out because this is a problem he's had at other times, isn't it, with other clubs. He picks up these little niggly injuries, as Pep Tart likes to call them. And I think we've suffered over the last three or four games because of this little niggly injury, which uh, we all, you know, he kept promising, oh, he might play, we'll look in training, we'll do this. And it's all a little, all's a little bit worrying. But yes, of course, uh, with the rest, he'll be fine. I don't want to sound like a broken record. But Haaland should never have played against Dortmund. You sound That's like a broken record, Ray. But he should never have played <laughs> well, against Dortmund. Well, that Dortmund. was the start of it, wasn't it? That was the start of the problem when he played against Dortmund. He should, and Ray's quite right. Never played. 
You know, um, sh- that's the game he should have had a rest um, because, as I said, we had bigger fish to fry. Look, you can get injured at any time and, you know, you can get injured in training. It can be innocuous, like and you've had players slipping in the shower or whatever. Um, so you just don't know. But it, there was no, there was absolutely no need to take that risk with Haaland in that Dortmund game. And, you know, I don't want it to come back and haunt us because he was on fire. Yes, he'd have been disappointed not to play against, um, you know, back in, uh, uh, in Dortmund for, for that game. But, you know, we've got to look at the club first rather than the players. We, we're not here for sentimental reasons. We're here to, to win stuff um, and do the best we can on the pitch. And uh, I hope, well, Pep's, what, 50 years old and he's still made that mistake. So, you know, as I said, he's not infallible. He's, he's going to make mistakes and, you know, he's, he's made some in the last few weeks. Well, Ray, um, I'm going to uh, put you and Bernard on the spot uh, now, just as we draw to a conclusion. And um, there's been quite a lot of talk about Pep, Pep's new contract and whether he'll sign one, whether he won't. Now, he's come in for some heavy criticism on this podcast. Quite a lot from you, Ray, uh, in terms of not only, uh-huh. n- not, only that, <laughs> not only that decision to play Holland against Dortmund for sentimental reasons, I guess, but also his lack of um, nows to uh, to make substitutions oh. at the right time. But um, let's you just hold it, cage it for a minute, Ray, and let's go to Bernard and ask Bernard, uh, what do you think about the prospects of Pep and a possible new contract? Yeah, I think we'll know what what uh, Ray thinks because I think he's he's a step ahead, isn't he? With one of his uh, one of his blogs blogs recently, but yeah, as far as Pep's concerned in Harland, yeah, I mean, but Pep's not on his own, you know. We've got uh, we've got uh, physios there, we've got a coaching staff who are paid a lot of money to actually say whether the players are right. And if Harland says, "Oh, I'm fine," but they'll know damn well whether he's fine or not. I mean, it's it's not rocket science. That's what they paid the big bucks for to I find out if he is. So I'm I'm not, I'm not going to blame. Pep for it particularly. I'm gonna I'm gonna blame the actual the but actual uh, his backup team. Sorry, go on, Ray. He was fit for that game. He got injured during the game. That was my gripe. So he was fit to start the game. He got a foot injury during the game against Dortmund. I don't, I don't think he was. I don't think he was fully fit to start the game. My opinion was he there was something wrong, uh, and I remember that at the time. I don't know why or where I got that that psychic link from, but I, ju- I just had the feeling he wasn't right when he started the game, and it just as, uh, exacerbated it. Let's, let's just, uh, just let me just control this a little bit. Um, I, I, wait, 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 Ray. I think your two str- strongest arguments about Pep signing a new contract are twofold. Number one, where else would he go? Hmm. Uh, and number two, um, where else would he go? Yeah, I mean, uh, yeah, I'm just getting back to the Pep thing itself. I, I, yeah, I totally agree. I, I think, you know me, I've always been a pessimist as far as Pep extending contracts, so that's how much I know over the last few years. But uh, I've not seen anything to say that he won't won't sign for at least another couple of seasons, and why not? And I don't know. I say I've not listened into Ray's uh, vlog yet, see what the arguments were, but I fully fully think he will. I thought, as I say, because what other option has he got? Okay, Ray, now you're on. I'm on. I'm on. Well, I'll just finish off because because I like to have the last word, but he shouldn't start against Dortmund. He was fit to start. Apparently, uh, he got the foot injury during that game. Apparently. 
Uh, and that's one of the reasons he was pulled off at half time, apparently. Yeah, that's uh, what, I, I know that. I'm just saying. I thought. I thought there's something. I don't know where I got it from, mate. I just yeah. remember at the time thinking he shouldn't have really been starting because yeah. there was yeah. something not quite, not quite right. I don't know what it was, but just at the time I had that feeling. Yeah. Yeah. Guys, we have joked enough about that. Let's right. talk about Pep, Pep, the prospects Pep, right. for Pep's new contract. Basically, uh, I, I did an interview with Colin Savage, the wonderful uh, Colin Savage. Uh, we can see it. That he's not here. His head won't get too big. He won't hear, <laughs> hear it just yet. Um, and we both came to the same conclusion. You know, Colin talked about people he respected, he'd heard from, uh, and he thought Pep was going to sign a two-year extension with the option of a, an extra year. I have no such insight. I just base it on uh, my, my thoughts, my own opinion, which sometimes are right. Sometimes they're wrong, you know. I said how, you know, and I just try and work it out as, as logically as I can, as best as my logic helps me. And I said uh, last season that the only place I could see Haaland going was Man City for various reasons. There was, there was very few options for him. <coughs> and it's the same with Pep. He's not going to go back to Spain. He's certainly not going back to Barcelona because it's a mess. He's not going to go back to Germany. He's not going to go to any other club in England. He's not going to become an international manager because he needs the day in day out club management. You can see from the, uh, you know, the way he reacts uh, and from that um, Amazon Prime video uh, series. You know, you can see the all or nothing series. You can see how much he's invested of his himself into the game. So he needs day to day club football. He's not going to go to PSG. Don't really see that. And he's not going to go to Italy because Italy's too long a turnaround. Any club you go to in Italy will need a minimum of three years for them to be challenging, I think, even with Pep. Uh, whereas I think we we were still in a good situation. It took a one year to, to, to change it around. And then, we, obviously, we, we banged in 100 points and followed that with, the, uh, with a formidable season where we won every domestic trophy possible. So where else, what's left? Is, I don't see him going to South America. You know, it's, it's going to need someone with extremely deep pockets to be able to afford him. And what's he got? To do in South America. I believe his family, his, his wife and his daughter went back to Spain a couple of years ago or, or last year. And they, they were, I think, before the last renewal, there was a worry about his family because they were uh, apparently, um, they hadn't settled. They had no social life in Manchester. Um, I think his eldest child or was at university. So, you know, they were out whatever they were doing uh, if you know if you if you remember your time at university might probably gallivanting around um uh, and so his wife and daughter i think they've gone back to spain so he's not got that pressure of uh, a family who are, are a little bit unhappy so so it has got everything at city there's nowhere else he's going to get the support from you know he's got cheeky his mate he's he, who's our um um sporting director does all the deals for us he's got Ferran Soriano, the chief executive, he's, he knew obviously from um, Barcelona. He's got Khaldun on the Barrett, one of the most, uh, just for Mike, one of the most handsome um, businessmen uh, uh, running cl uh, football club. Uh, he's got an owner who doesn't interfere. He's got everything set up at City, perfectly for him, one of the best training grounds in the country. He's not got a free hand on transfers, but he gets mostly what he needs. Where else is he going to get this? If he walks away from City, he's only going to go down. And I think he, he realize, you know, he, he sees it. He realizes this is the this is the best place to be. 
And I think he's going to he's going to go and do that 10 years. He was going to get a statue anyway. Uh, but I think, he, you know, th that will just cement it. Uh, and as I said in my video, one of the great things about him staying even longer is the longer he stays, the more of his DNA is imparted. It's into our club. It's into the genetics of the of the young players. You see these kids coming through now. They're eight years old, 12 years old. They're playing in the same control style uh, as our first team. That's that's the aim. Uh, the women seem to have to play the same way. So when Pep eventually does leave, I think we will, whoever comes in, be able to carry on because he's been here so long. Everybody knows his, knows what's expected. And we don't we won't need to change that much. Um, you know, as, as Colin said, we've got ex-players or people he, he's worked with um, who might be able to um, take the reins, like Arteta. But I think he's he's going to stay at Arsenal. You got Vincent Company doing well at Burnley. You know, if he can do another two or three good seasons there, maybe he's the next uh, cab on the rank. I, I, I don't know. So the, I think he's going to sign. Uh, Colin Savage thinks he's going to sign, uh, and he's going to do that whilst the World Cup is on. That I think if he does that, announces that, then it gives journalists very little time to talk to him. They'll have to wait till he comes back. So he's not going to have this constant thing. Um, hopefully, he'll, he'll get that done and done in the next two or three weeks. That will put all our minds at rest because I don't think anybody really wants Pep to leave. I, you know, I certainly don't. I just want him to make some decisions with his head better. Uh, and use his subs. You've got five subs, Pep. Use them. OK, well, um, guys, as we uh, bring this pod to a conclusion, uh, let's just um, have some final thoughts from uh, Bernard. And uh, there are two uh, things that I want to aim at uh, Bernard. Bernard, don't you see um, a very uh, close um, uh, comparison between the situation uh, with Pep at City and whether he'll sign a new contract? And whether uh, Bernard is is actually going to stay with us, Ray? Because you you have to think, you know, where else would Bernard go, where else would Bernard go? I mean, he's got he's got he's got he's got Ray, he's got Mike, he's got this. Fabulous I, could, I, could go, I could go to bloody bed. That's the one thing. <laughs> well, that, that that was just a fun point. But um, the other the other the other point, Bernard, was we've been we've been seeing quite a lot um, on social media of um, of. Dave Watson um, uh, around and you know guys uh, this shows you my age he was one of my absolute favorite players uh, before you know Tommy Caton came along what mm. a warrior he was absolutely I mean uh, obviously I think what always sticks in my mind is not one of the greatest things from Dave Watson was when he scored an own goal against Liverpool on a very, a very sort of a, I remember misty wet night at Main Road and I think I think it was the shock because it just it was a mix up I think Corrigan was in there a bit bit of a mix up with him and Corrigan and it just never did that he never did things like that and as a as stood on the kipax watching it you were just totally gobsmacked because this guy. He was. There's some United fans uh, haven't picking on. Someone called him a legend. This United fan was on saying, "Oh, you don't know what a legend is and all this crap." You know, I mean, he was a legend. He was superb. He was brilliant. He was a legend, and he was just a warrior, as you said. He, he was just one of those typical that have a, a bandage around his head covered in blood. He was that sort of guy. And I said that one mistake, um, which wasn't particularly his. It was just the circumstances. I think uh, Big Joe had 
come out far too far and he'd misjudged where he was. And it was just the, being gobsmacked because he just didn't make those sort of mistakes. He, he was a, a brilliant, brilliant player. Yeah, yeah. Just to, just to play up to, to raise um, uh, jokes about my my sort of like inclinations. What a great looking guy that you would want, <laughs> that, that, that you would well, want in your, in your central defence. I mean, bandaged, bloodied, holding up the League Cup. Uh, what a fantastic play! Uh, it's so good. It's so good, uh, Ray, to see pictures of him looking so well, and you can see that there's sort of certain in in his physiognomy. There's just some like real iron in there, you know. And um, I don't know how much you remember about him, uh, Ray, but um, for me, he was awesome. He was. He. Did, he, he I remember, he, he played until his late thirties or around thirty nine, forty years old. He just kept on going. Played a lot for England, um, you know, got a lot of caps in. And you, sometimes you think, oh, yeah, he's, you know, he was here for ages. He's only here for four, was it four seasons, Bernard? Four or five seasons? Yeah, it wasn't, it wasn't overly long, though. Yeah, so he made his name at Sunderland. Um, he played there for about five years. Then he came to City uh, and he's played, had a couple of games. In, he played for Werder Bremen. He went to America as well. I think he had a couple of stints. Uh, in, well, uh, Vancouver is not in America, but and then... North America Soccer League or whatever it was called. Uh, I think he finished off at Kettering Town a few games for them. But, he, you know, he played almost 700 games in club football. Uh, it's just crazy. Um, and Mike, yeah, it, was, you... it was at City. I've, I've just checked while you're on here. It was at City from 75 to 79, 146 appearances approximately. Yeah, so that's, you know, a lot of time there. Uh, but, my, you know, if, if you call him handsome... You know, he was there at the game yesterday, <laughs> obviously. Uh, and I think someone's put some pictures up, but maybe it's a sort of do afterwards with, uh, he was there with his uh, wife, Penny. So I maybe I have to, you know, warn her that you're on the prowl. Um, but I ah. think he's got, um, I think he's got a head injury. Uh, they suspect it's from a repeated heading of the ball. Just, uh, I think that was, it was reported a couple of years ago. He was yeah. the suffering from neuro- neurogenerative disease. Um and, and that's what it was, but you know, he was he was a is a great he's he's a kind of guy you want, you know, when when uh, um, times are tough, you know, you want him beside you uh, at the back, um, and uh, yeah, he's 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 his mid seventies now, so you know, but it was good to see. I think the reception he got was great, and I think he he des- obviously deserved that reception, and I think uh, it touched him as well. Uh, it was fantastic. Yeah. All right, guys. Well, let's finish off. And uh, I'm going to finish off by um, uh, just giving a a little bit of a shout out to Ray, who put something up on Twitter that surprised me, actually, and made me glow a little bit. And uh, Ray was actually... I must must have missed that. What was that? Well, it was Ray talking about about, um, listening to Talk Talk uh, before um, he was uh, doing his media duties tonight. And Listen, I tell you what, that was, a, uh, youngsters, if you're listening, like that guy, Mark Hollis, who was the lead singer of Talk Talk, he had one of the best, one of the best voices that you've ever heard. And I would uh, certainly uh, encourage uh, people to get into that and dig a, dig a little bit back and listen to some of those songs. Uh, you would agree, Ray, I'm sure. Absolutely. Get, you know, go and look at their middle stuff. Um, I think that that's what I preferred the most. First two albums... It's more poppy, and I think they were aimed. They were 
by the record company aimed at a different market. I think he started off a bit punky, but they went into uh, pop, new wave, and new romantics or, or, or whatever. Color of Spring, incredible. Uh, Spirit of Eden, next album, incredible. Then after that, it wasn't the same for me. But those two middle albums, yeah, they they really um, they really did hit the button. It's one of my favorite favorite bands. I still listen to their stuff. Um, you know, collect. I used to collect bits and pieces of memorabilia, but uh, as I've got older, I stopped doing that. And it, you know, sadly, he passed about I think three three or four years ago. But uh, he, he disappeared, Mark Hollis, because he wanted to have a normal family life. He wanted his, to see his kids not be on tour. Uh, you know, what a what a sacrifice. But um, absolutely, absolutely. Guys, check out the song. Um, my favorite one. It's my life. You can find that on. Uh, YouTube pretty pretty uh, easily, but although um, although Ray likes to have the last word, I'm gonna give the last word to Bernard and say, okay, Bernard, what are you gonna be doing for the next? What is it? Three four weeks? Yeah, I mean, well, you know me, mate. I've got loads of history vlogs to do. I've got player of the season so far to do. I'm I'm doing a little player watch for the World Cup with the city players, so we can keep in you know keep abreast of what's going on with the boys while they're playing. So yeah, I'll be. Be loads of uh, stuff, and uh, I hope we'll do a couple of bits together as well over the next four or five, six weeks for the Bolt from the Blue guys, uh, listeners as well. There's my own stuff, so yeah, it'll still be busy for me. And I, I never stop. Uh, I never stop doing things on our wonderful football club, and I'll, uh, at least I'm not under under, under the pressure and all. I mean, we're you know, trying to get these out when we're playing games, so it's nice. I'll be able to relax and do it a little bit more than I perhaps do when the football's on. But uh, I'll, I will keep busy. Well, let's stop Not there, guys. And uh, what, uh, what what uh, what uh, Bernard said is true. We will be certainly with you and active over this period. I can promise you Ray cooks up ideas like a chef um, pretty much every day. <laughs> and he'll be haranguing me and uh, Bernard into getting on to StreamYard and getting on to BFTB to do those. But we better finish off because it's now one twenty-five. I know you guys love these long pods because you can... You can basically put them in your ears and then go for a jog or go for something in the gym or go for a walk and just listen listen to us spouting our nonsense for, for you know, like an hour and a half. But uh, thank you very much, guys. Thank you to uh, Bernard and thank you to Ray. We'll be back with you uh, very soon before you know it. And we'll finish off in the normal way, guys, by saying until then, have one on us and up the blues. Up the blues.